the cross, it is core to what we believe and how we live. It has been from that day when Jesus gave his last and died. What we believe about life, what we believe about God, what we believe about the future depends completely on understanding the meaning of the cross. I know everybody probably in the world knows what the cross is, and they know that Jesus died on the cross. All of you know that today. I, I know that. But do you know what it means for you? Are you connected to the meaning of the cross? As you know, I, over the last few weeks, have been trying to portray the person of Peter, and today I'm trying to do that again, except I don't have my hairdo. But I want to think, I want to ask you to think today about who this Jesus of Nazareth is. Why did he have to die on a cross? Why do we have to talk about the cross? Why is that so important? Why does this thing up in the middle of the church, in the middle of the sanctuary, why? Why is it so important? Well, actually, in my life as Peter, there are three events that absolutely are core to why I am who I am and what I do in preaching the gospel. The first is the cross. I mean, there's a lot of other things too, and I've told you some of the stories, the, the amazing miracles of Jesus and his teaching and his calling and all those things are important, but the three things that I want to say today that absolutely have changed me, number one is what the cross means. Now, I didn't understand it when it happened. Believe me, in fact, I was in fear, and I thought everything had completely gone wrong that possibly could. But I came to understand what it meant. And then three days later, when Jesus came out of the tomb, I mean, all of a sudden things started slowly to make sense. Oh, but then on that day of Pentecost, everything changed. Everything changed. I mean, when God's Holy Spirit came down and came in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, I'll tell you, my life absolutely changed. I became something different than I was before when God's Holy Spirit came into my life and into my heart. That same Holy Spirit is offered today to every one of us. If we believe... I can't emphasize enough today how important it is for you to believe God. If you don't believe God, then you, you miss everything that he did for you. And if you don't believe God, you miss everything that Jesus has done for you. There's so many pieces of the story of the cross that are important. Some of them I can tell you from firsthand experience. I wasn't far but also you know that I was a bitter failure that whole time. And you know what I did. You know how I was bragging so much about I would just do anything and I would protect Jesus and I would be the last person to leave him, but you know what happened three times. It's painful. Oh, it's not just that. You know, I failed him many times. I've messed up more than I can possibly tell you today but you know what Jesus forgave me he forgave me for when I 
I messed up. He accepted me and he didn't give up on me. He just kept coming back to me and to my heart and, and all the things that he taught and he said just kept reminding me of how important I, I was to him. I, I remember the, the night that he went to the cross, how painful it was. We were in the garden just before he was arrested and, and we didn't understand. It was Passover and Passover weekend and, and all the people were there from Jerusalem and, and, and Jesus kept saying these things and, and they were very hard for us to understand and man, we thought, Jesus, why are you talking about going away? And he even talked about dying at different times and we thought, Jesus, why are you? We just kept, I kept telling him he was wrong. You know, Jesus, hey, calm down. We're here with you. There's 12 of us. And look at all the other people following you. We're not going to let anything happen to you, Jesus. Boy, were we so wrong. And he was so right. Because he knew that this was going to happen. He knew it ahead of time. He knew what was coming. He, he, he knew that. And so even in the garden when we were there, in the garden, He took us there, and it didn't seem like there was something that had come over him. I'd never seen Jesus like this. He was in such anguish. I, I hadn't seen Jesus like this before. I've seen him. I saw him cry at, at Lazarus when he died, and I saw him confront the Pharisees, and I saw him amaze the crowds and feed 5,000 with just a few bread and fishes. I mean, I've seen all kinds of miracles, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was different. I saw something that Jesus had never seen before. Number one, he, he went there and he, was, he, he said, we have to pray. And, you know, I can understand that. He often prayed. He prayed far more than we did. I have to pray. No, and you have to pray with me. And it's like he, he took us and you've got to pray. I've never seen him do that. He seemed so desperate. It was like he was fighting with somebody. This went on for hours. We were so exhausted. We had no idea what was going to happen. All we know is Jesus, and we'd never seen him have look like this. I mean, Jesus was telling us that he desperately needed our help. We were so tired. You know the story. We, I kept falling asleep. I tried to pray, and I fell asleep again and again and again. And, and then Jesus said, rise and he said words that I will never forget the betrayer has come but, but we soon knew what happened you see coming up the hill down from the, the valley in front of the, the gate of Jerusalem there was this mob bringing torches and making noise and they were loud and there was a lot of them. We, we had no idea what was happening. This mob came into the Garden of Gethsemane and there, there was this, this whole group of people and they were angry and they were holding spears and clubs and swords. They were the temple guards and the high priest and these others from, uh, from uh, uh, the temple area and, and, and there right in, in the front of the group was Judas. Judas. 
I was confused. I couldn't believe it. Judas, what are you doing here? Why weren't you with us praying in the garden? Why did you run out? Judas, I had no idea. There he was. Judas, how could you do this? I was so angry. I had a lot of emotions, you know that. And they were out of control. I was so angry. And I looked at Judas and I saw the high priest and, and the hatred in his face. And then Judas, he goes over to Jesus and he hugs him and gives him a kiss on the cheek. You know what that meant for us? Jesus said something like, you betrayed me with a kiss. Oh, I was so angry. I was angry at Judas. I pulled out my sword and I started swinging it. I was slashing. I got one of the high priest servants right in the head. Jesus grabbed my arm and he said, stop, Peter. This isn't how it's going to be. I didn't know what to think or do. He said, Peter, put away your sword. That's all I had in my hand was a sword. I didn't even have in my brain an understanding of why this was happening. Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. This is the way it's going to be. He looked at me the way that he looked at me so often when he confronted me. Confronting, I know I talked to you about the confronting before. I want you to know that Jesus will confront you about your attitude and your heart if you let him. Jesus will confront you about sin if you let him. Jesus knew everything in my heart and my life. And he confronted me over and over again. The rest of that night is a blur to me. You know some of the story. You know about the trial. The beating. The mocking. And then the next day, a lot that I'm telling you today, I saw and some of it I was told by a man named Mark, a friend of mine. Mark was younger than me. He was one of those men that had believed in Jesus and began to follow him. Mark became a strong believer. In fact, in the early church, he became a leader and he wrote many things down, and later they became the second gospel, the gospel of Mark. You see, Peter and Mark were very special friends, and they spent a lot of time together. Mark told me some of the things that I'm going to tell you about right now. Some of them I saw, but they were from a distance. One of the things that I knew about, because I knew how it happened, and what happened when a when the Romans crucified someone is they wanted to make an example out of them. 
They wanted everybody to know what would happen if you didn't do what you were supposed to. And the Romans, the Roman law and the Roman army, I mean, they, they, they had control. And so it was brutal anyway. And they had this thing where you had to your own death to the place where they crucified. You had to carry the cross. It was just adding insult and insult and insult. And I, I remember that because the cross was so heavy. They, they didn't make, I mean, it was this heavy beam. And you could barely carry it if you were feeling strong. And But he had been beaten all night. And they had this crown of, they were making fun of him. And they put this crown on his head. And he was bleeding all down his back and his shoulders. And, and they had beaten him. His back was so bloody. It was, and then they made him carry the cross. And he tried, and he couldn't very far. So they, I remember, I remember they, they got this, this black-skinned man. He's from Cyrene. That's why we knew where he was from. Later on, I'll tell you, though, he became a Christian, too. Oh, and he became, his sons, his two sons became great leaders in the church. He was there, and he helped carry the cross of Jesus to the place they called it Golgotha. The taunting went on. You imagine what it was like for Jesus. We can't. We we can't. We can't imagine. But you imagine that here he is. He he's done all these good things for people. He's only done fulfilling the scriptures, and now these people are beating him and making fun of him and, and the Pharisees, the high priest. They are so happy. Oh, I just wanted to take my sword and find them, but I, I had no boldness at this point anyway. I lost it all, let me tell you. All I did for a long time is I wept. And I wept and I wept and I wept. I didn't stop weeping until three days later. All oh, these Pharisees, I want you to know about them. They were part of the story and they were at the cross. Man, they just gleefully followed the procession. Oh, they wanted to see Jesus be crucified. And so they, they were there at the cross. I'll never forget their faces, the anger, the hatefulness of these men who were supposed to be followers of God. And, and here they were. They're, they're literally saying things to Jesus as he's hanging there suffering and making fun of him and mocking him. Oh, I just, oh, I just, oh, I would have had the courage, but I didn't have any courage. You know what, what just unbelievably happened is what Jesus did. Jesus looks down from the cross. He can barely talk. I don't even know how he could breathe. I don't know how he could think. But there he is looking down from the cross in the faces of those Pharisees and he says, with this face that I, I don't understand where, how he could do it. Father, he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I tell you, that's something right there. I can almost say it started for me. Of several things Jesus said on the cross, 
that later on I really wrestled with. I mean, if, if you're here today and you don't know what this cross means, I, I, this is the first thing I want to say to you. Think about it. How could this man say that on the cross? I couldn't. Maybe that's an understatement. You know what I mean. Oh, man, God. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then there were two other criminals. Some of you know that there were three people that were crucified that day. The other two were criminals. One of them we knew of. One of them was like the Pharisees. Oh, he was just railing on Jesus. He was writhing in pain, and what came out of his heart and his, his mouth was just nasty toward Jesus. But the other one on the other side was different. And he had this attitude that basically, I'll just put it in a nutshell, he said, forgive me. He didn't say it like that, but that's what I got from when I heard this story. Forgive me. He somehow, I don't know, God gave him a vision early, I don't know, but he understood that this was more than just this piece of wood and this man dying on it, but it meant more. Maybe he had encountered Jesus many times before, but he understood something that we wouldn't understand for, for a while yet. There was something about Jesus on the cross that meant that God could change us on the inside. And what Jesus said just confirmed it. He said to him, as he laid there in pain and anguish, and uh, today you will be with me in paradise. That's number two. Number one, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Number two is today you will be with me in paradise. I, I what, what did he say? You know, it's like when I heard this, it's like, what was Jesus thinking? He wasn't going to paradise, I can tell you that. You call that paradise? No. I, I don't know. But I do know that it had to do with this. Later on, I knew what he meant. And I knew what he said. And I knew what was in his heart, the suffering, the suffering. All of us try to, you know, we try to, we try to explain, this, we try to understand the suffering, get a handle on this, the physical suffering, the torture. And that's, uh, uh, how can you explain it? But then, more than that, I mean, this is about not just that, this is about something going on spiritually. Something about why, why the cross and what the suffering meant. And, and we soon came to understand that the suffering was, was more about something else. It was about that word called sin. The suffering was about Jesus, who was the Son of God. We, we later understood this more, but... Jesus, the Son of God, and His suffering had to do with knowing about the sin of the world and knowing that all of us would have sin. I mean, everybody from every age, not just us that lived with Jesus, but somehow this is eternal, this is infinite, this is an amazing eternal God with a plan. 
Jesus would take on my suffering. Uh, we did know the, the words of the prophet. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned our own way, and God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, that became very real to us. And he hath laid on him the iniquity of Saul. And it also came to us very soon when we understood it was Passover, where the sin of the people were put upon the lamb and sacrificed. And here we understood that Jesus was doing what the lamb had been doing for a long time, the suffering. It, it made us think about how holy God must be. Why would God do this to his own son? If he indeed was his own son, why? why? It, that reminds me, the very last thing I heard said around the cross was the soldier. You know what he said? Surely this was the son of God. Wow. Oh, the holiness of God. and Why a cross? And why is it important that, that, that we know that God is holy, the, the suffering? Well, Jesus said several things. Another thing he said very close to the end is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, that was number three for, for me of understanding this. Somehow, an amazing God who is eternal and infinite turned away from his own son who was dying on the cross. Makes me shudder. There's a song about that. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? It makes me shudder. Were you there? Were you there? Were you understood Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Imagine what Jesus was feeling and thinking, and, and I don't know if he thought. I don't know what he thought. I know what I thought when I heard about this. I know what I thought. Two things. One is my sin. You abandoned him to my sin? My denial, all the times that I so wrong and you left it on him when I cut off the servant's ear uh, all those things and, and you and you abandoned him why God how, why how could you do that how could I do that but then as I thought about what sin was, then it also came to me who the Messiah is. And in that moment, when I was thinking about the sin, then it all started to come into my heart. This is exactly what all the scriptures have said would happen. All we like sheep have gone astray. I told you that a little bit ago. And all of our sin be put on him and it became, it became real to me, this idea of sin and this cross being the place where sin is left. 
Sin is placed. I don't know what word you want to use. Sin is, is put there. It's wiped off of humanity somehow. I know that's just a figure of speech, but somehow my sin was wiped off on Jesus on the cross. There it is. Then his last words that I know of. Three words. It is finished. I tell you what, I believed it was finished all right. Oh, it was over. Everything lost, hopeless. In the end, he had all this stuff that he knew, but he was wrong about this. Jesus, why did you bring us this far and then leave us here? It is finished. It got very dark. We all saw the darkness, not just those close to the cross. It was dark for three hours that day. From the sixth to the ninth hour, it was dark. There was lightning. No rain. Darkness. Number four, darkness. We're not talking about the absence of the sun, although it was dark like that. We're talking about something far deeper. What does sin do? It makes you dark. Sin makes you dark. It takes away your hope. It causes you to give up on goodness and life and truth. It takes away anything good. Sin does. And until you come to the place and say, this is what I need, you can wrestle your whole life with your purpose, with your value, and with the direction you're going to go. The cross. He said it is finished. Boy, did we understand what he meant by that. When he said it is finished, you know what I thought. You would have thought too, probably. It is finished. But we missed it by a mile. See, we missed what was finished. What was finished is that we don't have to struggle about sin anymore. We we don't have to keep wrestling about sin. And I want you to know, when he said it is finished, he was telling us something very important, very special. It is finished. Three days later, we uh, found out what he meant. Oh, you know the, the end of the story. Three days later, we found out what he meant when he said it is finished. See, we thought he was saying that it's a failure, it's all lost, it went wrong, we messed up at the end, and... It's over. (laughs) No, what was over is that we don't have to deal with the sin anymore, that he's taking care of it. I think if he would have said to us, now it would have confused us more, I'm sure, if he would have said, it's the great victory, and took his last breath, maybe, I don't know if we would have looked at that and seen that any different. 
but he said, it is finished, and we missed it by a mile. I tell you, it wasn't until he resurrected and he began to teach us what he meant by that, that we understood and on the day of Pentecost, man, it, it, it let loose, and we were telling the story. It's not the end. It is finished. doesn't mean it's the end. It means that it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the day and the time when God can take our sin away. And we live in that day today. Today, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God takes our sin away. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know. Would you go to that next slide, please, Nate? Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Wow. This is what? the cross meets to me. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, friends, most of you I count as my friends, I hope. Whoever you are today, hear the words. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Today, I am proclaiming to you that you can be forgiven of your sins if you believe and you accept and you trust what Jesus has done. The work has been done.